Thank you to the team for leading us as we worship God together. I want to welcome all of you. Quiero dar la bienvenida a todos ustedes. I'm so glad that you're here today. And we have, this is the day the Lord has made for us to worship Him. El Señor ha hecho este día. And as I look out there, I see one of the things that brings me joy in our church family, in our community, is our children. And I want to dismiss our children right now to our children in worship time. That's for boys and girls up to fifth grade, three years old up. Uh, we're glad that they're a part of that. Vamos a despedir a los niños al tiempo de niños en adoración. They'll be, they'll be back or they'll be wrapping up about the same time we are. And as they're going out, I want to again remind you that you have many ways to express your participation in this community through your gifts and your offerings. Hay muchas maneras de ofrendar en la iglesia. And we have a box in the back that is for that purpose. We have our online tools, our, our website, our text giving, Generosity by Lifeway. And if you were unable to hear it last week, Greg Peterson shared an incredible message about what generosity is all about. It's actually one of those reshaping tools. And if you've not caught that message, it's on YouTube, I believe. Go to our Sunrise YouTube channel and you will hear an incredibly solid, encouraging, motivating message about generosity and why we, why we give as Christians. It's, it's just something I highly recommend. Quiero recomendarles el mensaje del Pastor Greg de la semana pasada acerca de, de, de la generosidad. Dije pastor, él se está entrenando para ser pastor, así que uh, casi está ahí, pero uh, un mensaje muy lindo, así que se lo recomiendo a ustedes. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles right now uh, to the scripture that we're going to be looking at today, and it's from Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read just a few verses, verses 23 through 25. Vamos a mirar Hebreos capítulo 10, versículos 23 al 25. As I just said, we're in this message series where we're we're looking at these reshaping tools that God uses in our lives to, to grow us. Vamos a estar mirando otra herramienta para remodelarnos. And so I want to read this, this scripture. I'm going to read it first in Spanish and then I'll repeat it in English. Voy a leer el texto primero en español y repetirlo en inglés. And I want us to open up our ears, our eyes, our hearts to receive the word of God. Vamos a abrirnos para recibir la palabra de Dios. Y dice lo siguiente. Mantengamos firme la esperanza que profesamos porque fiel es el que hizo la promesa. Preocupémonos los unos por los otros a fin de estimularnos al amor y a las buenas obras. No dejemos de congregarnos como acostumbran hacerlo algunos sino animémonos unos a otros y con mayor razón ahora que vemos que aquel día se acerca. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God for the people of God, and to that we can say, thanks be to God. That's a good thing. La palabra de Dios para el pueblo de Dios. Gracias a Dios. 
So uh, as I may have mentioned before this summer, I spent some time traveling. I spent some time with family in Iowa during the summer. Estuve con mi familia en Iowa este verano. And one of the highlights of that visit in Iowa was a lazy, just a peaceful and beautiful Sunday afternoon that I got to spend at my sister Robin's house there. Pasé un domingo tranquilo en casa de mi hermana Robin. That's a picture from her front porch there. They live on this high hill in a rural area of Iowa. It's surrounded by beautiful rolling fields of corn and soybeans. Viven en una colina, en un área rural. And we just had a wonderful time there. The weather was just perfect. And as a part of our time there, Robin and her husband, Robert, took us on a tour of their massive garden. It's really around their whole house and, and down the hill. Uh, nos dieron gira de su jardín. And it was just beautiful to see this wonderful vegetable garden. They had all of the kinds of plants that you might expect to find in, in that type uh, of region, in that part of the country, uh, you know, onions and and potatoes and tomatoes and peas. I, I got to pick some fresh peas and eat them off the pod. Had probably not done that in 50 years. I loved it. It was awesome. Uh, vimos cebolla y tomate, papas, etc. But they also had a couple of plants that we might expect to find more here in our region. Cultivaban plantas de aquí también. They had jalapenos, tomatillo. Yeah. Why? Well, turns out, my brother-in-law, Robert, likes salsa. A mi cuñado le gusta la salsa. So they're growing these plants. And in fact, right now I understand he's putting up sal uh, salsa. He's canning it by the, you know, the dozens. I wish I could get my hands on some. Está preparando salsa. And they told me the story of how the first season that they grew tomatillos, they had a problem. Hubo un problema la primera temporada de los tomatillos. The plants were lush and green, but they didn't produce anything. Not a single tomatillo. No produjeron nada. Why was that? ¿Por qué? Well, the problem was not, I can tell you, the soil. The soil in Iowa is this black, rich stuff. It's some of the best in the world. La tierra no fue el problema. The problem was not a lack of sunshine, not a lack of fertilizer, not a lack of water, no había falta de sol, abono, agua, etc., None of that was the problem. The problem they came to find was a lack of sharing. El problema fue una falta de compartir. See, they learned later on that the tomatillo plant is one of those plants that cannot pollinate itself. In other words, a tomatillo plant must receive pollen from another tomatillo plant. Un tomatillo tiene que recibir pollen de otro tomatillo. And not just any other tomatillo. It must specifically receive pollen from another tomatillo plant that is of a different variety. And evidently, they just planted one variety. And so that just didn't work. Un tomatillo que tiene que recibir pollen de otra variedad de tomatillo. Now, you know, bees and those kinds of insects can help in that process, but the bottom line they learned was that these tomatillo plants had to be in a general vicinity, various varieties coming together, and they had to cross-pollinate. Tenía que polinizarse entre sí. 
They had to share their pollen in order to be fruitful. Tenían que compartir para ser fructíferos. Now, when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to the vitality of our faith, I think in a way you could say we are a bit like tomatillo plants. Nosotros somos como los tomatillos en la relación con Dios. Now, we've been talking in this series about a, a number of these reshaping tools that can help us grow in our faith, and some of these reshaping tools are very important. They are individual reshaping tools. Hay herramientas individuales que usamos. Prayer, Bible reading. These are things I urge all the time, that in your individual time, you're reading the Bible. In your individual time, you're praying. That's all good. That's very important. But you see, that's in itself is not all that we need to be mature. No es lo único que necesitamos para madurar. In order for us to be mature and to bear fruit, specifically in our relationship with the Lord, we need to have meaningful exposure to other people that are on that journey with us. Para crecer en nuestra relación con el Señor y ser fructíferos, tenemos que estar con otros cristianos. We need to come together in environments like this one where we can share. We can share our thoughts. We can share our questions. We can share our hopes and our, and our fears and our dreams and our our burdens. Tenemos que compartir las preguntas, los pensamientos, las cargas, los sueños. That's what we're talking about, coming together. We must be able to discuss the deep truths of God's word and how to apply them to our lives. In other words, we need to cross-pollinate. We need to share. Tenemos que polinizarnos entre nosotros. And that is what happens through the reshaping tool that we're going to be talking about today. Eso es la herramienta que hablamos hoy. The Bible says something very important here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebreos 10, 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Mantengamos firme la esperanza que profesamos porque fiel es el que hizo la promesa. In other words, we are to hold on to tight the faith, the hope that we profess. What is the hope we profess? We professed it in the Apostles' Creed just a few minutes ago, right? Our belief in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Debemos aferrarnos a lo que profesamos en el credo de los apóstoles. But we are to hold on to that in the understanding that as we are holding on to our hope in Jesus Christ, he has promised to be faithful to hold on to us. Nos aferramos al que nos se aferra a nosotros. And then it goes on in verse 24 to say this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Preocupémonos los unos por los otros a fin de estimularnos al amor y a las buenas obras. As we seek to hold on to this hope in Jesus Christ, we are to spur, to instigate, to stimulate, to provoke, to incite each other 
to love and good works. We are to come together and to promote fruitfulness. The fruit of our hope is love and living in Christ, doing the good that he has done. El fruto es que debemos incitar, instigar, instigar y estimularnos a las obras y, las, y al amor. Ese es el fruto. In other words, it's like we're like these plants. We're to come together and we're to cross-pollinate in order to produce that fruit. And then verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching no dejemos de congregarnos como acostumbran a hacerlo algunos sino animémonos unos a otros y con mayor razón ahora que vemos que aquel día se acerca so the logic here is is really clear it's it's hard to instigate to stimulate to influence to encourage to spur one another on to fruitful living in the hope of Jesus Christ if we are not coming together and having some sort of meaningful sharing, meaningful contact with each other. It's difficult to instigate el amor y las buenas obras si no estamos en contacto significativo unos con otros. And so we need to be together. So, What do I mean by meaningful contact? ¿Qué es el contacto significativo? I think the Bible could give us a lot of answers to that question, but here's an answer I think is important and that, I, that uh, draws my attention. It's from Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29 nos da una respuesta. And this is what it says there in Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen eviten toda conversación obscena por el contrario que sus palabras contribuyan a la necesaria edificación y sean de bendición para quienes escuchan the point it's saying here is not for us to come into contact with one another for the purpose of unwholesome talk no tenemos contacto para conversación obscena. The point is not to come together to tear each other down. That would eliminate a number of things. That would eliminate gossip. It would enable, uh, uh, eliminate dirty humor. It would eliminate uh, uh, blaming. It would eliminate complaining. It would eliminate fighting over needless stuff. Eso elimina el chisme, las quejas, el culparnos unos a otros. That's not why we should be coming together. But evidently it's not enough simply to come together and talk about pleasant subjects either. It doesn't say that. No es suficiente simplemente hablar de temas agradables. You know, let's talk about the weather 
or about what we had for dinner last night or about our sports team's great victory the other day or about what we did on vacation or about any other number of things. Those things aren't bad. Those things aren't wrong. They certainly aren't unwholesome. No es malo hablar del clima o, o de lo que comimos o de nuestro equipo favorito. No es malo eso. That's not destructive. It's not going to tear us down, but it's not enough. Instead, it says here that we are to talk about what will build people up, what will benefit others spiritually according to their needs. Se trata de hablar lo que va a construir a la necesaria edificación de las personas. Tomatillo plants can't produce unless they come together and share something positive with one another called pollen. Los tomatillos no dan frutos sin el polen, algo positivo. Christians cannot produce fruit unless they come into that contact to share what is going to build each other up. What we're talking about here is the spiritual tool or the tool, the reshaping tool of spiritual conversation. Se trata de la conversación espiritual. And I would define spiritual conversation as learning how to engage in intentional, meaningful, encouraging dialogue conversation with others, communication with others about the thing that matters most to our lives, the good news of Jesus Christ and its impact upon every single person. Se trata de un, un intento de hablar y dialogar sobre las buenas noticias del Señor Jesucristo. The, the tool of spiritual conversation has the power to reshape us la conversación espiritual nos remodela. How? It, it enables our spirits to be cross-pollinated as we share the faith and the hope and the love that we have in Jesus Christ. A compartir la fe, el amor y la esperanza que tenemos en Cristo, nos polinizamos entre nosotros. And if you will, the Holy Spirit is almost like the bee. Going between you and between me, carrying the, the, the pollen, the positive truth of the word of God and allowing it to impact our lives. El Espíritu Santo es casi como la oveja que lleva el polen de la palabra de Dios entre nosotros. And it stimulates us to become fruitful, to live lives of love, to live lives of Christ-like goodness. Nos estimula a vivir según el amor y las Buenas obras. And that's why it says again in Ephesians 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. No dejemos de congregarnos como acostumbran hacerlo algunos. The word habit there, I found out, is in the original language of the Bible, it's the Greek word ethos. Acostumbran es etos en el griego. Ethos, that's a word that exists in English too. When you hear the word ethos, what do you think? 
Well, if you look it up in the, in the dictionary, you'll find that an ethos has to do with an environment. When you cultivate an ethos, you're cultivating an atmosphere or, or a culture, a context, un ethos, un ambiente, una atmosfera, una cultura, un contexto. And so what this is saying in Hebrews 10.25 is it's saying instead of cultivating an ethos or an environment or a culture where everybody is isolating, where everybody is separating, where everybody is siloing, where everybody is pulling these things out and going off to the side and going down the rabbit hole of the internet, or social media, instead of creating that ethos where that's what you do, it's about creating a different kind of ethos. En vez de crear un ethos donde se separan y miran sus aparatos, hay que crear otro ethos. It's about creating a culture, cultivating an environment, cultivating uh, an atmosphere, an expectation, a habit where we are intentionally sharing not only information and ideas and words, but we're actually sharing the reality of the person of Jesus Christ who died and rose for us. And we are doing that through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit coming through from me to you and from you to me through the power of the Word of God. That's the kind of Ethos, this is talking about. Se trata de un, una, um, un ambiente de, de, de una comunicación de una persona real, la persona del Señor Jesucristo, en el poder del Espíritu Santo. 400 years ago, the Puritan Christians had a name for this. They called this the habit of conference. The habit of conference. Los puritanos lo llamaban el hábito de la conferencia. And in the Puritan communities, they had cultivated this ethos. They had cultivated this environment of conference. Cultivaban un ambiente de la conferencia. What did that mean? Well, it meant that it was in the air. It was in the, in the water that they drank. It was in the food they ate that at any point, at any time, any person could talk to any other person in the community at any level about the state of their soul before God. Cualquier persona podía hablar con otra persona acerca del estado de su alma ante Dios. And so the Puritans were always engaging in spiritual conversation. And it was growing them. Crecían en la conversación espiritual. In fact, one of the tools that they used for spiritual conversation in the Puritan community was the Sunday message, which was often two hours long. I promise not to be Puritan today. Usaban el mensaje dominical, but it was expected that if you attended and listened to the Sunday message the following week, at any time, any place, any person, including the pastor, could ask you to reflect on and respond to and, and to under, give some understanding of what you had gained from the Word of God through that message. 
En cualquier momento alguien tenía que responder, incluso al pastor, lo que habían agarrado del mensaje del domingo previo. You know what? I like that. I like it. Me gusta. Now, not just for selfish reasons. I like that not just because there are hours that go into the preparation of a message. And there are. There are hours that go into the preparation of a Sunday morning message. I like the idea of that not just kind of floating out of this room into the ether, into the, into the unknown. Me gusta que el impacto de ese mensaje vaya mucho más de este cuarto. But that's not the only reason. That's probably not even the primary reason that I like this idea of conference. I think there's a bigger reason, a much greater reason. And that's because we are swimming in a secular environment. We're in a secular ocean, as I've said before, and we're all wet and we don't even know it. Estamos en un océano secular y ni sabemos que estamos mojados. And the, the current, the, the tendency of our secular world is to push God out into the edges. God is always getting pushed out to the margins of our lives. And it's just the natural thing you and I deal with every day. Uh, Dios lo estamos empujando al margen de la vida. Even for Christians, even for followers of Jesus Christ, there's something in us that fights against actually bringing up the subject of God and talking about him because there's this thing inside of us that says, no, I got to push him off to the side because there's so much in the middle that our secular world that says that's what you have to have there. Adios lo empujamos al mar. And so even amongst Christians, we do this. We allow the wave of our ethos around us to control us. There's a writer by the name of Bobby Jameson, and this is what he says. He says, there are faithful Bible-preaching churches where the after-church conversation in the very same building is as worldly and disconnected from God as the conversation of the lunch crowd at some local restaurant. Dice este autor, la conversación después del culto para cristianos a veces es tan secular como la conversación en un restaurante. The conversation after worship is as empty of reference to God as what you find out at any other restaurant. In fact, what do we often do on Sunday morning? After Sunday morning, we say, amen, we're here at the church. Hey, how about the game the other night? Hey, I like your new car. I like your new dress. I like your new kid. Whatever it is. Hey, let's go out to eat. What do we do? We go out to eat and it's like we talk about more of that stuff. After we've just had this experience with God, we've just had this experience with the Word of God, acabamos de tener una, una experiencia con la Palabra de Dios y vamos y no hablamos de eso. And, and this, this Bobby Jameson makes the point, he says, if our conversations after worship are this way, after we've just been in the presence of the Word of God and the people of God, what are our conversations going to be like the rest of the week? Si así es la conversación justo después del servicio, ¿cómo son las conversaciones el resto de la semana? There's something in Luke 6.45 Jesus says that is powerful. Makes me think. He says, the mouth speaks 
what the heart is full of. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. De lo que abunda en el corazón, habla la boca. So, if our mouths are not full of any talk about God, what does that say about what's in our hearts? If our conversations do not in any way reference the most important thing in our lives, what's in our hearts? Si nuestras conversaciones no hablan de Dios, ¿qué está en nuestro corazón? What do your conversations, what do my conversations say about the status of our hearts? The reshaping tool of spiritual conversation, is, it's about creating a, an environment, an ethos, where we engage regularly in meaningful, intentional thought and action provoking conversations about what matters most for all time and eternity, our relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. La conversación espiritual es hablar de lo que importa lo más nuestra relación con Dios, el Padre, Hijo, Espíritu Santo. And we can do that at any time. That's the cool thing. We don't have to wait for Sunday morning. We can do this at any point along the week. Podemos hacer eso en cualquier momento de la semana. We can have spiritual conversations with believers, and we can have spiritual conversations with unbelievers. In fact, they are often the ones that want them more than we do. Podemos tener conversaciones espirituales con creyentes y no creyentes. We can have spiritual conversations with coworkers, with friends, con compañeros del trabajo, con amigos, with family, and even with perfect strangers. Podemos tener esas conversaciones con familias y hasta desconocidos. In fact, on that trip back from Iowa, my flight back to Fresno, I got uh, next to, I sat next to a 60-year-old woman from Ohio. She was on her way to Reedley. Me senté con una mujer de 60 años en el avión, and she just starts talking. And I'm like, okay, if you want to talk, I'll talk. And we talked the whole flight. I don't typically do that, but I got, I got involved. And come to find out, she loves Jesus. I love Jesus. And we had this amazing conversation. We just opened up about our hopes for our family, for, for the church, for the world. We just had this delightful time of sharing together. I may never see that lady again, this side of heaven but God used that conversation for me. Tuve una conversación muy linda de esa mujer, con esa mujer acerca de la iglesia, su familia, la esperanza del mundo. We were talking about those things that we just recited in the Apostles' Creed. So, here's a challenge I want to lift up to us today at sunrise. I would like us to work on our ethos. I would like us to cultivate more an ethos a culture, an environment where we engage in spiritual conversations. Quiero cultivar el hábito de tener conversaciones espirituales. And that we would do that through, like I said before, taking more full advantage of the Sunday morning message. Not just letting those words fall to the ground as we leave the building. 
In fact, our men's group right now on Wednesday nights is doing that. They're discussing the message. They're viewing it on YouTube and discussing it. So, men, you're getting ahead of us on that, and I think that's great. Los hombres están haciendo eso los miércoles, hablando de mensaje. So, to do that, I want to just give you a couple of tools to help you with it. Two questions. I would love for us to have just two questions that we begin to ask each other on a regular basis. And I hope I can remind us from time to time of these two questions. Two very simple questions. I do preguntas. This will help to stimulate, to spur us on to a conversation about God's word. One, what good word did you hear this morning? Que buena palabra escuchaste esta mañana. What good word did you hear from God's word? What stuck with you? One thing, not everything. And secondly, what do you need to do about that? ¿Qué necesitas hacer? How, how do you need to respond to that good word you heard? ¿Cómo necesitas responder? What, you know, new thought do you have? Or what new attitude do you need to take? Or what new action do you need to take? ¿Qué nueva actitud hay que tener? O, o nueva acción? I want to encourage us that we would, in fact, today, immediately after the the blessing as we close here, this is my challenge for us all, including for me, that before, it's not saying it's bad to talk about those pleasant things, before you talk about the new car, the new kid, the new whatever, talk about this and ask somebody those two questions. Antes de hablar de las cosas, del clima, de los deportes, hagan esas dos preguntas. Ask somebody, what good word did you hear? What are you going to do about it? Que buena palabra escuchaste que vas a hacer. About 400 years ago, the Puritan writer Thomas Watson said this. He summarizes it best, I think. El puritano Thomas Watson dijo lo siguiente. He said, Speak of the preciousness of Christ. Habla de lo precioso que es Cristo. He is beauty and love. Él es toda belleza y todo amor. He has laid down his blood as the price of your redemption. Ha entregado su sangre como el precio de tu redención. Have you a friend who has redeemed you? Have you a friend who has rescued you and you never speak of him? ¿Tienes un amigo que te ha rescatado y nunca hablas de él? God forbid that we would fail to speak of our friend who's rescued us. Dios lo prohíba. So let us speak of Christ. Let us cross-pollinate the good news of Jesus. Vamos a polinizarnos con las buenas noticias del Señor Jesús. Please join me in praying. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are precious and good, and you are real. You're alive. Eres precioso y vivo, Señor Jesús. I pray that your word would find a resting place in our hearts today. 
Let your word speak and let it spur us on to love, to good deeds, to fruitfulness this week. Que tu palabra nos hable y que nos estimule al amor y las buenas obras, al fruto de tu espíritu esta semana. Thank you. Thank you that we have one another. And that through the community, the community, the communion of saints that we just talked about in the creed, your Holy Spirit grows us into Christ-like maturity. Gracias que por medio de la comunión de los santos, tu espíritu nos lleva a la madurez en Cristo. May it be so we pray in Jesus' name. En el nombre del Señor Jesús. Amen.